Heavenly Father, your word says we cannot serve two masters, so Jesus, help us to give you our undivided attention to every word that you have to speak to us today. Give us uh, clarity in our thoughts, in softness, in tenderness in our hearts to receive your word this morning. In your precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. It might be fun to uh, try to work through different textual issues in uh, the history of interpretation in that parable, which has baffled scholars for about two millennia. Uh, Jesus says, make friends by means of dishonest wealth. And we're like, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> but I'm not going to do that today because it would, it would bore you. And uh, really, nobody really knows exactly what Jesus means in that parable. But I want to talk to you today about intercessory prayer. What is it? Uh, how should we think about it, and how do we do it? When I was uh, 18 years old, on my 18th birthday, some of you have heard the full version of this story. I was, uh, my life was a mess. I was a party animal. I was in a car in Michigan and getting on the freeway at midnight, right, five minutes after I turned 18, and uh, spun out of control and got into a car accident, totaled the car, broke the back wheels off the axle. The front end was smashed in, and uh, I walked away unscathed. Uh, there's a lot more to that story. But uh, my mom told me the next day, my dear Christian mom, who didn't share her beliefs at the time, said, I have to tell you that uh, I was woken up in the middle of the night about midnight to start praying for you fervently. Now, at that time, I thought, oh, that's like a spiritual thing that mom says. It must be a mother-son connection, some kind of intuition. But I realized that what God was doing was calling her awake to intercede for me on behalf of my life because I should have died and been separated from God for all of eternity because of the way that I was living. And that was the power of intercession. I have met people and I've felt God call me to begin to pray for them fervently on a daily basis. And a year, maybe two later, two years later, they give their life to the Lord Jesus. And so I know by personal experience that intercessory prayer, and we're going to talk about what that is, is powerful and effective. The wonder of intercession is that it actually moves the heart of God. Uh, Andrew Murray, the 19th century pastor and author, said this, We must begin to believe that God, in the mystery of prayer, has entrusted us with a force that can move the heavenly world and can bring its power down to earth. See, we pray that every Sunday when we say, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus taught us to call down the power of heaven into the earthly atmosphere. And so the point that I want to make today, the overarching point that I want to make to you today is that our prayers on earth move heaven and affect the transformation of the world according to God's heart. Uh, what is intercession? Let's just start with a basic definition. Um, it come, the word intercede means to intervene on behalf of another. To intervene on behalf of another. It comes from a Latin word, intercedere. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I, I, I never learned Latin in seminary. But that Latin word means go between. And so a basic definition is to go between something or to go between someone and someone else or between something and someone else. And so the biblical definition of intercessory prayer is that we would go between something or someone and God's throne of grace on their behalf or on behalf of the situation. 
go between. Say, go between. It's that, it's, it's a, it's a very simple concept. Intercession is the means by which Almighty God has ordained that we would call upon Him to act in the world. Uh, Mike Bickle, who, who started a very powerful prayer ministry, he wrote this, God has chosen intercession as the primary means of releasing His power in the earth. Say, my prayer has power. This is amazing. This is another way that God shows us his grace and his desire for relationship with us is that he actually invites us to cooperate in his purposes in the world and in his mission in the world. He And he likes when we cooperate. And so intercessory prayer is one of the ways that we do that. Now, intercessory prayer is not us trying to change God's mind about something. Intercessory prayer, what it's doing, it is bringing our wills in our lives into alignment with his will. You see, when we pray for healing for someone, we're not saying, God, please change your mind. We say, God, we know it's your desire that people are whole. So we pray that it would be done on earth and as it is in heaven in Jesus name. My mom was, was praying God's will over me that night, that, that he, that she would stand in the gap for me and pray on my behalf and so that I would be in some divine way rescued from death that night in that car accident. She was going between. Let's look at 1st Timothy chapter 2, uh, in your bulletins or if you Bible, if you have them. Uh, the letter to Timothy, uh, Paul, Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, is writing to his uh, his timid protege, Timothy, and he's giving him some instructions to pass along to the church where Timothy is pastor, which I believe was in Ephesus, if I, my, my memory serves me right. And he's giving him instructions, and he starts like this in chapter 2, first of all, okay, that's we need to stop right there before we move on. So Paul says, First of all, this is of primary importance. This has to lay the groundwork for everything else in the life of the church. First of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. You see, friends, prayer must undergird all we do in the Christian life because it reminds us that all that we do, we do in relationship with our Heavenly Father. You can have a checklist mentality in prayer and, and you could pray for an hour uh, through a checklist and actually not be there with God, knowing him in relationship with him. So prayer ultimately, really what is prayer is about is our relationship with the Lord. We're working in tandem with him. We're cooperating with him, his purposes and praying that his will would be done in a relationship with him. There's a little uh, acronym there, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving spit. And I thought that's kind of cool. I mean, maybe that's not very, uh, not very uh, uh, admirable, but it can help you remember. But what Paul is saying is that prayer takes many forms. There are a lot of different aspects to prayer. Now, who needs prayer? According to Paul, everyone, <laughs> all people, the translation I'm reading says, everyone it's just a reminder that we need to be praying. You don't have to have a list of every all seven billion names of people in the earth. You would never get out of your prayer closet. That might be a good thing. But uh, it just means to be praying for all kinds of people and all the different kinds of people in your life. It, you're not just your friends and family, but your enemies too, probably especially your enemies. Now, he goes on and he says, specifically, I want you to pray for kings and all who are in high positions. 
He said, what's he talking about? This is the ancient world. So he says kings. If he was writing to modern day Americans, he said, I want you to pray for the president and all of people who are in government. He's talking about praying for government, governmental authorities. I want to talk about this um, for just a minute. Now, you know me, I don't get in the pulpit and preach Republican politics, and I don't get in the pulpit and preach uh, Democrat politics or Green Party or anything else. I preach the politics of the kingdom of God, and that's what I want our focus to be. But those scriptures call us to pray for those who are in political positions of authority, whether we like them or not, whether we agree with them or not. Daniel, in the book of Daniel... He uh, was an Israelite who was deported to Babylon after King Nebuchadnezzar came in and destroyed the temple in Jerusalem and, and afflicted Daniel's people and then took him into captivity in Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar was a psychopath king who uh, erected, had statues erected of himself and made people worship him. He was a lunatic, a, a defier of God's people, and Daniel called him, Your Majesty. May the king live forever when he addressed him. You see, because he was serving under him in God's perfect providence. Now, I don't agree with everything he does, and I certainly don't admire his communication skills all the time, but President Trump is my president, and I will pray for him. There's this nonsense, not my president, that bumper sticker drives me crazy. If Hillary Clinton would have been elected, she would be my president, and I would pray for her in the same way that I pray for President Trump. The point is this, God can turn the hearts of kings and presidents and anybody in authority, he can turn their hearts and he can use them to bring about justice and righteousness in the world, to bring about his purposes. See, sometimes we Christians, when it comes to politics, we start getting uh, so upset and so riled up and we, we're, what we're actually doing is showing that we don't believe God is in control and that he's sovereign and that all of history is held in the palm of his hand. You see, praying uh, for government. Now, Paul goes on, he says this, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. See, if you pray for the governmental authorities, for God's anointing to be on them, whether or not everything they do is right, that, they, that it would actually have an effect for the transformation of society and for culture. That is why we say, my prayer has power. My prayer has power. You see, praying for government has little to do with whether or not we like uh, the person who's in office, and it has everything to do with how the true sovereign ruler of heaven and earth can use them to bring justice and peace into the earth. We have to have a kingdom, <laughs> kingdom vision when we think about politics. God cares about these things. God cares about local politics and international politics. He cares about justice and righteousness and peace for every person in the world. We're a long way from really in seeing the, the kingdom of vision for politics realized, but we'll get there when Jesus returns. But in the meantime, election season comes. We should not be frantic and fearful and anxious that about the person that we don't like getting elected. Even if they do get elected through the power of prayer, God can bring about good and righteous policies to society. He can use people that we don't care for. He can use the opposite religious part or the opposite political party that we vote against because he's sovereign. Now, Paul goes on and he says this. He's kind of switching a train of thought here. This is good. He's talking about prayer and intercession. This is good, he says. And um, in your translation, it says is acceptable to God. But in other translations, I like this ter- interpretation better. It says this is good and pleases God, our savior. 
You see, God smiles with delight when we have a ministry of intercession, when we come into his presence with thanksgivings, with supplications, praying on behalf of our friends, family, our communities, our nation, when we petition him to bring heaven down to earth. God is pleased. He likes being with his kids. The, the, the heavenly father loves to be with his children in that prayer closet. And he's looking for people who will enter into that place and develop their relationship with him. And in so doing, what will happen is that there will be transformation in the world through our prayer. You see, if we don't have an inward certainty that God is pleased when we pray, we will have no incentive to pray. So it's so easy to have the image of God who's going like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got a billion other people to listen to today. I don't have time for this. But that's not the image of God that we get in scripture. It says God is pleased. He's like a father who says, ah, I'm so glad you showed up today. I'm so glad you showed up. Let's work together for the transformation of the world. This is key to growing in prayer. It is a knowledge that God loves when we spend time with him. A knowledge that he loves you and wants you to come into his presence. It's key. It's foundational to have a passion for prayer. Now, he goes on and he says this. He says, this is good. It pleases God, our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved, to come to a knowledge of the truth. How many people does God desire to come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved through the name of Jesus? Everyone, all people. Now, that's a, we're going to say more about that in just a minute when we talk about practical ways of interceding. Now, Paul goes on and he says this, for there is one God. Now, see, he starts, he says for what he, what he says is here's the reason intercessory prayer is really important for the church. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. You see, Paul says there's one God and there's one mediator between humanity and God. And so you have heard it said that all roads lead to the same destination or all spiritual paths end up in the same place. Friends, if you believe that, think about the ramifications of that. That means that Jesus gave his life on the cross for no reason. That it wasn't necessary that he should die for the sins of the world to reconcile all of humanity to a holy God who loved the world so much he gave his son. It just means that God is torturous and he made his son go through agony for no reason because you could be a Buddhist and end up with God for all of eternity. It is a satanic lie that is prevalent in this culture. And I don't mean to preach fire and brimstone, but Jesus gave his life for this world. He gave everything. He was ripped to shreds by whips and nailed to that cross. Not so that people could be reconciled to God just because they feel enlightened through some other path. Friends, it's a lie. And when we believe that, we will not have a heart for the lost. We'll think, oh, they'll make it anyway. And we won't have a heart for intercession. Friends, we have to believe both in the love of God and of the holiness of God and that it is God's way and it is God's way who saves humanity, not what humans choose how to be saved. Friends, we are all sinful and all fall short of the glory of God and need to be cleansed by his precious blood, not by becoming enlightened, 
not by becoming doing good deeds in the world to make God to uh, impress God. Someone told me the other day they were answering a survey and they said, what would you do when you get to the pearly gates in heaven? And God says, why should I let you in? And I said, that's an idiotic question. The only answer is Jesus. Because his righteousness has been made mine. And he's clothed me in his purity. I have nothing to give God. Lord, have mercy. That's the only answer to that question. This is huge. You see, Jesus himself in his life, death, and resurrection on behalf of mankind, he's the perfect model of an intercessor. That's why Paul all of a sudden starts talking about Jesus as a mediator. Remember, we talked about the definition is to go between. Jesus went between you and I in the throne of grace and said, Father, I want to take the punishment that they deserve, that you in your perfect justice and holiness have to dole out against sin. And he said, he went in between and he said, I love them so much. And the father said, I love them so much. Son, go and take the just punishment. And he had your name in his heart when he took his last breath on that cross. And he had all of your sin in mind and he took it all into himself to wipe it clean and to make you holy and pure and blameless so you could stand before God as his beloved children. Friends, we dare not trample the cross of Christ by telling people, I'll see you, you take your path and I'll see you when you get there. People will be separated from God for all eternity apart from Jesus Christ. And I'm sorry if that's hard to hear, but what we have to do is stand on what God says in his word, not on what the culture teaches us, not on what we think in our own minds or what we feel is the right thing. It's not that God is mean and nasty. It's that he has such a compassionate heart. He will do everything. Give his only begotten son to save this sin, sick, rebellious world. Because he still looks at us in all of our rebellion and all of our lust and pride and addiction. And he says, I love them so much. And I want them to know my love. And Jesus says, I'll go. I'll go, Father. His intercession shifted the course of human history and it's the perfect model for us and so in a minute we're going to talk about the practicality of intercession and praying for people who don't know jesus friends there are many people now i have something else but i just feel like the lord's calling me to shift gears here and to just hone in on this for a minute there are many people who say i believe in jesus The drunkards on the street believe in Jesus. The the people who haven't been to church for 40 years say they believe in Jesus. The the, the people who come on Christmas and Easter but live like the rest of the world, the uh, the rest of their lives say they believe in Jesus. But you know what? They don't treasure him. They don't know him. There are people who sit in pews like this all of their lives that don't know him. They know religion. They know their church community. But they don't know him. Jesus says on that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do many wonderful things in your name? And he'll say, depart from me, you you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. You see, God wants to know us. He doesn't want your religion or your good works to hell with our good works. It's the grace of Jesus Christ that saves us. And brings us into a living relationship with God and he fills us with his Holy Spirit. And friends, we, it is our job as the church to be on our knees interceding for the world around us. Because people are lost and they are perishing. God sent his son so they wouldn't have to. Because he's such a loving God. 
Friends, it's our role as the church to stand in the gap and to pray with compassionate hearts and to say, Father, give us your compassionate heart for the world. People are lost. People are perishing. My, my children, my grandchildren, my aunts, my uncles, my, my father and mother, they're perishing. They don't know you. Lord, please come into their life. Give me an opportunity to share the truth of your word with people. Oh, how God, if we knew how much God's heart burned with passion for human beings, for every single soul that he created. He loves us so much, friends. When God revealed himself to Moses, he said, The Lord, the Lord, a God of mercy and compassion, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and sins for a thousand generation, but by no means will leave the guilty unpunished. You see, he is holy and he is compassionate and merciful. So let's get practical for a minute. What are some practical ways that we intercede? There's just three that I want to talk about briefly. One is for people to be saved, right? It says God's will is for how many people to be saved? Everyone. God wants hell empty. Do you? He does. And so he says, I need you, church, to pray and to proclaim the gospel in power and word and deed so that people see and know that Jesus is alive. He has been raised from the dead. And that is our only hope. That is our only hope for humanity. And so we pray for the people in our lives that are lost. Who's lost in your life? Your children, your, your mother, your father, your, your coworkers, your neighbors, people who don't know Jesus. We stand in the gap for them and say, Lord, have mercy. How can I be a, a harbinger of good news? How can I be a messenger of good news? Another way is this, and we, 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 we you know I've got to mention it, is we intercede for people to be healed. When we uh, stand before someone and we proclaim healing in Jesus' name, we're working as an intercessor. We're in between God and his mighty, merciful healing power, his compassionate desire to heal the sick, and we're saying, may it be done on earth as in heaven. And so in, in this church, one of our, uh, our focus and in a, in a, in a lot of our ministry is the healing ministry. That's an intercessory ministry. It's amazing. It's a, such a privilege. Now, here's the other thing. We pray for our local communities. This, I mean, there's a lot of things. These are just a few. But we pray for our local communities. You see, we look around and we see, oh, I don't like what they're doing over here in Maitland. Or it's really kind of sad that there's so many uh, homeless people or that they're tearing down all the subsidized housing and putting up um, housing that nobody can afford to live in. Well, friends, we need to be the ones praying for our political leaders and the government of our local communities to, to be people of justice and righteousness who serve the poor and the marginalized and those who are in need to have God's compassionate heart. We are the people that are called to transform society, but it won't happen. God is waiting for people who will stand in the gap and pray, intercede. Now, God will accomplish his purposes with, with broad strokes, of course. Jesus will come again to judge the living and the dead. He'll set up his kingdom. He'll be with his people in righteousness and glory and joy for all of eternity. He will throw Satan into the lake of fire. It will be done. But there's so much more that God wants to do in the particulars of life through our prayers. Would you, would you give up one hour of television? Start with, just start small. Give up one hour of television once a week and say, Lord, teach me to pray. Teach me to pray for my community. Give me your heart for the people who are lost in my life. One hour. You see the uh, book of 
Chronicles. There's a beautiful verse that says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart trusts Him. You see, He's looking out for faithful people and when He sees one, He says, There's one who's going to cooperate with me. Hallelujah! And heaven rejoices. I got another intercessor. The kingdom is advancing. It's amazing. Jesus in uh, Luke chapter 16, he said, whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much. You see, you don't have to be overwhelmed if you think, man, I don't have a knockout intercessory prayer life. I'm a dud. You start small. Make a list of, of five people. Make a list of, uh, of a few things in your city that you would like to see change that would be just and, and peaceful and bring righteousness, God's righteousness. And start there. And make that list longer as you grow in your desire to pray and you see things happen and you see things shift in your in your reality because of the power of prayer. <clears throat> now, here's the thing. As I said earlier, strong and um, fervent intercession will only come out of us asking God to share his heart with us. Because if we don't have his heart of compassion for the world, then we're just praying checklists. Don't don't do that. Don't we. God wants relationship with you. He, he wants you to be a mighty warrior in the prayer closet for him. And so you just need to go there and say, Lord, I know that what you want is me to develop my relation. I know you want to develop your relationship with me. So, so teach me to pray, Lord. I'm going to give you 15 minutes today and I've got to run to work. It's all I've got and I'm going to work at it and I'm going to grow. And he will. And he's, he's pleased. He's delighted when we start small. Prayerlessness is one of the greatest tragedies that besets the Christian church today. Honest, fervent, tear-soaked, broken-hearted, joy-filled, boisterous prayer. Where are the people who pray to change the course of history? Uh, John Piper, author and pastor, he said this, there's a direct correlation between not knowing Jesus well and not asking much from him. Some of us have exalted the God of work on an alt, we have sacrificed prayer on the altar of work or, 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 or sports or the television or novels that are filled with garbage. Things that God's heart grieves over. Where are the people who will pray? Friends, James says you do not have because you do not ask. You do not have because you do not ask. You see, God's word is inviting us into a deeper place intimacy with a father who cares so much for each and every one of us who knows every detail of our life every cell in our body he's inviting us into deeper deeper places with him friends and as you go deeper in prayer i promise you your awareness of the love and the presence and power of god in your life will begin to expand and you will not help but be a person of joy because you are close with your heavenly father and you know he is changing the world through prayer what a privilege, what a privilege, and what a tragedy when we forsake the privilege. I want to end with a story. Let's see if I can do all this. I brought a prop today. I'm not going to beat anybody. Gordon's doing a good job so far. So. <clears throat> the first century BC, there's a period between the two testaments of the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, Israelites had not heard God's voice through the prophets for a really long time and there was a drought um, in the land and as you know in ancient world and arid land droughts kill people and so it was rain was really needed it had been going on for a long time and um, there was a man named Honi Jewish man 
And uh, he went out in, in public where there were people around, and he, he stood in the dirt and he took his uh, staff and he made like a math compass and made a circle around himself. And he prayed. He said, Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children. That made some of the people around him uncomfortable, felt a little bit irreverent, but it was humble, but it was confident. And a few raindrops began to drop, hit the ground, plink, plink. And Honey said, not for such rains have I prayed, but for rain that will fill cisterns, pits, and caverns. And a torrential downpour began to flood the earth. And Honey thought, this is too much. And so he said this, he prayed, not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain of your favor, blessing, and graciousness. And the rain became a calm, steady, peaceful flow of water that watered the earth and saved lives. Uh, Pastor and author Mark Batterson, who tells this story in his book, The Circle Maker, he says, the greatest moments in life are the miraculous moments when human impotence and divine omnipotence intersect. And they intersect when we draw a circle around the impossible situations in our lives and invite God to intervene. What are the impossible situations in our lives? The people that we think would never, ever, ever become a Christian. The people we think that could never, ever, ever be broken of an addiction. The, the, the things in society and politics that are happening right now that, that, are, that are atrocious in God's eyes that we think, oh, we'll just never be able to see change here. Who will take a staff and draw a circle and stand in the gap and intercede before the Heavenly Father who is waiting for us there? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this privilege to be people of your word who can stand in this place of relationship with you, Lord, saying, on earth, Lord, as it is in heaven, make it so. Wipe away every tear from every eye, God, and bring your power down like fire to change this earth, to purify it, to cleanse it. Lord, give us your heart of compassion for this world. Lord, we do not pray because we do not have your heart. So we ask you to give us a heart, Lord. I pray today especially that you'd give us a heart for the lost. I pray, God, over anyone in this room today who's having the recognition that they are lost and they do not know you or have a relationship with you, Lord. Invite them in, Lord. You're inviting them in. Give them the boldness to hand their life over to you and find the true life in Jesus Christ. Lord, give us a heart to pray for those around us who don't know you and who you so desperately want to know. Give us a heart to pray for the sick, God, and to see them healed, to see your will done on earth. Give us the faith for that as a church, Lord. God, now as we have this privilege to come before you and worship you in spirit and in truth, we ask you send your Holy Spirit upon us that we may truly worship you with the praises, the voices, and the, and the bodily postures that you are worthy of. Come, Holy Spirit. We love you, Jesus. We pray it in your mighty name. Amen.